Hi everyone and welcome to Italma 2.0. We're going to do 15b of Chagiga, Tesvav Amad Beis today, but we're going to start from the last six words on 15a, Tesvav Amad Aleph. If you recall, we were talking about this story where Rebbe Mer really wants his Rebbe, he wants his teacher to do teshuva, to repent and go back to his good ways. Uh, so he drags him into the base medrash. He drags him into all these different study halls. And every time he goes into a study hall, he's told by, he asks the young kids what they're learning. And the young kid would say what they're learning and it inevitably is about how those that are wicked have no chance of returning. So let's start from the last six lords on 15a, and we'll then continue on to 15b. Um, let's begin. So... Um, brought him into a different shul, into a different synagogue, Amarle, and Acher, Mer's, Rabbi Mer's Rabbi, said, Leonuka, to a young boy, now we're on 15b on Tesbamamabes, Psokli Psukach, tell me what verse you're learning. Amarle, so the boy said, Va'at Shadud Mata'asi. And you, the one that was plundered, what will you do? Even if you wear scarlet, even if you put on gold, if even if you paint your eyes with uh, makeup, for vain, you are beautifying yourself. In other words, no matter what you do, there's going to be no way to beautify yourself once again. Um, this is a verse in Jeremiah that's basically saying that for the wicked, there's no way to return. Um, next, so they went and Ramer brought him to another shul. Until they went to 13 different shuls. In each of these shuls, the young boys there said very similar verses to him. And to the last boy, Acher said, Tell me the verse that you're learning. The boy said to him, but to the wicked did God say, To what purpose do you bother recounting my decrees? In other words, in other words, um, the idea is very simple: is that you know why do you even bother learning or, or talking about the Torah when there's no chance for you? And this, in this specific instance, this particular boy that he was asking, um, he kind of mumbled his words. And instead of reading it, the verse as, but to the wicked, God says, to what purpose do you recount my decrees? It sounded, to Acher at least, it sounded as if he had said, but to Elisha, not to the wicked, but rather to Elisha, which, is, which was Acher's name, Elisha. But to Elisha, God said, to what purpose do you recount my decrees? Therefore, making this verse even more personal against Acher. As if God was speaking directly to Elisha, to Acher. So, and is in a response to this, some say, that Acher had a knife with him, and he cut up the boy. He sent him this cut up boy, which is extremely gruesome. Um, and this is not the like there are many different ways of understanding this, even this part of it. Um, but let's just go with a little bit of less of a gruesome reading that it wasn't that he cut up the boy, but he cut the, the scroll that the boy was reading from. He cut up and he sent it to the 13 synagogues 
the 13 shuls that he had visited. And some say, And some say what happened was, is that Acher said, if I had a knife in my hand, I would cut up this boy. Okay. Now, when Acher passed away, Amri, so now we're going to continue talking about the life of Acher. When Acher passed away, Amri, they said in heaven, we cannot do a judgment of Gehenim, of hell against him, and we also cannot bring him to the world to come. So why couldn't they do either of these? Lo, We cannot judge against him for hell, because he learned, he engaged in the study of Torah for his entire life. And someone that engaged in the study of Torah for their entire life cannot, aren't going to be able to go to, they're, they're just, they're not, Hell is not the right place for them. We also can't bring him to the world to come. Because he sinned. He was a sinner. Amar Rabbi Meir, Sarah Meir said, It's better that um, that the court um, sends him to hell first. Because then eventually, after being cleansed by, in hell, in Gehenim, he will eventually be able to go into the world to come. Um and Ramer continued to say, Masai Amos, when I die, I will raise smoke from his grave. In other words, I will make sure he enters Gehenim. I will make sure he enters hell. Hence, smoke from his grave. Um, and then eventually, once he's purified in hell, he'll be able to go to the world to come. When Mer passed away, that's exactly what happened. When Mer passed away, a pillar of smoke came out of the grave of Acher. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, said, Givurta Lemikla Rabbe. Is it a big deal to burn one's teacher? There was one student among us, but we cannot save him. Meaning what Rabbi Yochanan was saying is that is that this is the best that we can do. There's um Elisha Elisha or Acher, he was part of our community and there's nothing that we can do to help him. We're just going to let him continuing suffering in Gehenna and hell. Enoch Debian, and so Rabbi Yochanan continued to say, Enoch Debian, if I take him by the hand, man man, who will attempt to even take him away from me? Meaning, I can successfully bring him out of Gehenna and bring him to the world to come. Amar, and then Rabbi Yochanan says, Masai almost when I die, you will see that the smoke is extinguished from his grave because it means that I will have successfully brought him to the world to come. This is exactly what happens. When Rabbi Yochanan died, the smoke stopped arising from the grave of Acher. And a somebody who would give eulogies said about Rabbi Yochanan and his ability, even the guardian at the entrance to Gehenim did not stand before you, our teacher or our Rebbe, as you took Acher out of Gehenim and brought him to the world to come. Now we're going to talk about the generations after Acher, um, his children. The daughter of Acher came before Rebbe. Amrulay, and she said to him, Rebbe, parneseni, Rebbe, please um, sustain me. I don't have much money. Please help me out. Amrulay. Rabbi said to her, Bas miyant, whose daughter are you? Amrullah, she said to him, ani, I'm the daughter of Acher. Amrullah, a dainish mizaroba olam. He said to her, Is there there's still descendants of Acher in the world? But doesn't the verse say in Eov and Job, 
That when it comes to the wicked, he will have neither child nor grandchild among his people, no survivor in his habitations. So this is crazy. How could there be that there's a child of Acher still around? Amrlo, she said to him, Remember my father for his Torah learning and not for his deeds. And immediately a fire descended from the heavens <coughs> and singed the bench upon where Rebbe was sitting. In other words, in order to tell him, um, you know, like that, uh, you know, she makes a good point, um, reminding um, reminding Rebbe, Rebbe Huda, that Acher's Torah learning is what he should remember. And this was a reminder of that. Bacha, and when that happened, Rebbe cried, Ve'amar Rebbe, and Rebbe said, Now, if this is the treatment for those who disgrace the Torah, or, you know, who find it a disgrace to be connected to the Torah, and yet, if they learn the Torah, they are defended, imagine those who consider a connection with the Torah to be the greatest praise or compliment, imagine how defended they will be. For Rabbi Meir, now we have a very interesting question that is actually extremely relevant. For Rabbi Meir, how did he learn Torah from the mouth of Acher? Didn't Rabbi Barchana say in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, what is the meaning of the verse in um, Malachi that says as follows? For the lips of the Kohen should safeguard knowledge, and people should seek teaching from his mouth, because he is like an angel of God. Okay, so meaning you should learn from this person because he's like an angel of God. And what do we learn from this verse? If the rabbi, or if the teacher, um, is similar to an angel of Hashem, Master of legions, then you should seek the Torah out from him. But if he's not, then you should not be seeking the Torah from his mouth. And since Acher, who is obviously not like an angel of God, how could Rabbi Meir have learned from him? Omar Reish Lakish explains, Rabbi Meir found a different verse that he he found and he expounded on the verse tells us in Mishle, in Proverbs, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Set your heart to the, my thinking. Now, the verse does not say you should set your heart to their way of thinking, but rather to my way of thinking. In other words, what you have here is, you know, you should listen to the wise, but and and incline yourself or set your heart to my outlook, not their outlook. So we're talking about learning from someone that's wise, but you still should avoid their outlook. Who is this a reference to? Well, obviously these are people that are scholars but are not good people, don't resemble God, and yet don't resemble an angel of God. And yet, the verse seems to be saying is definitely learn from them, just don't adopt their outlook. Um, and now we have another way, also another verse to explain where Rabbi Meir found license to learn from Acher. Rav Chanina Amar Mehacha. Rav Chanina said it's, that the verse is from here. It's a verse in Psalms in Tehillim. Shimi vast uri'i v'hatiyaz neich. It says, Hear, O daughter, and see, and incline your ear, v'shichichi ameich But forget your people and your father's house. Meaning, in other words, there's 
You should listen to teachings of somebody, but you should forget your people. In other words, you should forget their deeds. Don't learn from the way they, they act. So we see that there are people that you should definitely be learning from. You just should not adopt the way they act. But now what we do have, though, is we have two verses that would seem to say that you could learn from somebody that's wicked as long as they're a scholar. But then you had the original verse that seemed to say otherwise. So how do we reconcile? So now we have um, verses that contradict each other. How do we reconcile? It's not a question. When we tell you to be careful and not learn from someone that's wicked, I'm sorry, when we tell you you could learn from someone that's wicked, that's somebody that's a gadol, that's older, that's more mature, who is able to differentiate between the lesson and the person and the person's actions. Habakatan, and this one where we say not to learn from somebody that is not a good person, um, although they may be a scholar, that's by a katan, that's someone who's younger, not mature enough to differentiate, to be more nuanced. Um, okay. Key... Um, now we're going to talk about another way to explain why Rabbi Meir learned from Acher, or why, where Rabbi Meir found that it was appropriate for him to learn from Acher. Kiyasar Avdimi, Amar Avdimi, came to Israel. He said, Amri Rava, they say in the West. So they say in Israel, the just to the West of Babylonia, Rabbi Meir achal tachla v'shada shechalavara. What Rabbi Meir did is he ate the outside part, which is the edible part, and he threw the pit away. In other words... He took from Acher what was worth it, what, which what, what the you know the edible part, and then threw the part that wasn't away. Darash Rava and Rava expounded in a very similar way. What does it mean in the verse um, when it says in Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, Al I went down to the garden of nut trees to look at the green plants of the streams. So we know that this verse has to do with Torah scholars. And the question that we're going to ask is, Why are Torah scholars compared to a nut tree? To teach you as follows, Just like when it comes to a nut, even though it becomes filthy with mud and feces, what is inside of it does not become nimas, does not become disgusting. So so too with a Torah scholar. Even though he himself has become disgusting, his Torah learning, his Torah knowledge does not become disgusting. And we're going to keep on talking about this. Rabbi Barshila once found Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet, Amarle, and Rabbi Barshila said to Eliyahu, What is God doing right now? Eliyahu told him, God is repeating the teachings from the mouth of all the rabbis. But is not repeating the teachings of Rabbi Meir. Amar Lehamai, so Rabbi Barshila said to Eliyahu, why isn't God repeating the teachings of Rabbi Meir? So he answered, because he learned those teachings from the mouth of Acher. So Rabbi Barshila said, Amai. But why is that a problem that Rabbi Meir learned from Acher? Rabbi Meir Rimon Matzah, Rabbi Meir found a pomegranate, Tochalachal, he ate the inside, Klipasa Zarak, and he threw out the, the appeal, the non-edible. Amar Eliyahu said to him, so, and that's appropriate, that's a good thing to do, and Rabbi Meir did the same thing with Acher. He took what was worthwhile and he threw out the rest. Amar Eliyahu said to him, Hashda Ka'amar. Um, very well said. Hashtag Amar, now God is repeating the teachings of Rabbi Meir as well, meaning you defended Rabbi Meir well. 
And what is he saying? Mer bini Omer, my son Mer, this is God speaking. My son Mer says, Bizman that at a time when a person suffers for his sins, Shina Malashinomeris, what is the divine presence saying? Kalani Meroshi, Kalani Mizroi. God's saying, I am burdened by my head, I am burdened by my arm. Um, meaning that it's a, it's an extremely big burden. It's a devastating pain to for God to handle when um, when people have to be um, suffering for their sins. And Ramir continued, And if this is how the God, the Holy One, Blessed is He, is pained for the suffering of the wicked, all the more so, um, how pained is God for the suffering of the righteous. Okay, now we're going to continue talking about this idea of Torah scholars who don't keep to what they learn. Shmuel once found Rabbi Huda, the Talib Ivra, the Dasha, the Kabachi, um, and Rabbi Huda was leaning um, on the doorway and he was crying. Amar Le, Shmuel said to him, Shinina, sharp one. Rabbi Huda was a sharp one. My Kabachis, why are you crying? Amar Le, Rabbi Huda said to him, Mi Zutra, my Dixiv Rabanan. Is that which is written in the verse regarding these rabbis? Is it is it is it zotra? Is it insignificant? Because it says as follows. Meaning, in other words, this is very very. This is what's bothering me. We see, we learn we see that the verse tells us in Isaiah, Aye sofer, aye shokel. Where is the one who can count? Where is the one who can weigh? Aye sofer samigdalim. Where is the one who can count the towers? And um, this is how we understand this verse. Where is the one who can count? Because these rabbis who are no longer connected to the Torah, uh, these rabbis would count all the letters in the Torah um, and be able to, to, to make important conclusions based on that. Where is the one who can weigh? Um, because these rabbis that have strayed, they would weigh all of the kalvachomers in the Torah, which is a certain type of argument where you learn to the lenient from the stringent. Aye sofers hamigdalim. Where are those that count the towers? Who is this a reference to? Again, these rabbis that strayed. Shahayu shonin shloshmiyos halachos b'megdal haparech ba'aver. They would teach 300 laws concerning a tower that floats in the air, meaning from one letter. Um, a tower that floats in the air, specifically the part of the letter Lamed, is how Rashi explains it. Um, but from what, from just that one letter, one part of a letter, they can learn 300 different laws. Um, the Amar Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami said, um, As we know that Doeg and Achitofel, who are both scholars, and they they um, they eventually... Um, they eventually um, strayed, and we know that they raised 300 questions, halachic questions concerning the tower that floats in the air, meaning concerning the letter Lamed, um, and they couldn't even find answers. Their questions were so profound. Utenan, and yet we learn to the Mishnah, there are three kings and four commoners that have no share in the world to come. And four of the commoners, two of the four commoners are Doeg and Achitofel. And what was making Rabbi Huda cry is, look at this. Here were two scholars that were greater scholars than almost anybody. And yet they have no 
chilek. They have no portion in the world to come because they strayed so badly from the Torah. So he says, imagine them, these incredible scholars, they have nothing, they have, they'll have no place in the world to come. Anan, us, who are not who are not as scholarly as these people, Anan ma alon, what will befall us? And that's why he was crying. Amar so Shmuel said to him, Shinana, sharp one, don't worry about it, Tina Hayasavalibam. They they had impure thoughts in their hearts. However, your your heart is pure, so you don't have to worry. Meaning, what, what was bothering of Yehuda is that how can I ever make how can will I ever know that I'm safe? Meaning, you had these incredible scholars, and they somehow strayed, even though they were greater scholars than me, and now they don't have a share in the world to come. So me, who's not as great of a scholar, who's to say that I won't stray, and then of course I won't have a place in the world to come? And when Shmuel responded to him and said, "Don't worry so much." You have a purer heart than they did. From the very beginning, they had impure thoughts. You never, you never have that impurity in your heart. So that's the question we're going to talk about. Now that we're talking about this impurity in their hearts, now we're going to talk about Acher. Acher Mai. What was the impurity that was in the heart of Acher um, that caused him to stray? So we answer, Zemer Yevani Lo Pasak Mupume. A Greek song never left his mouth. Meaning, he always had the impurity of Greek music as part of his life, and because of that, eventually he strayed. Amru, and there's a lot more discussion there, but we'll keep it to that for right now. Amru Allah al-Akhir, they said about Akhir, when he would stand up from his seat in the Beis HaMajrish, in the study hall, many books of Minin, many heretical books would fall from his lap. In other words, even when he was so involved in Torah learning, um, he had that impurity of having these 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 bad influences that impacted upon him. That was the impurity of his heart. Okay. Shal Nimos Hagardis Rabbi Mer. Nimos the weaver once asked of Rabbi Mer, Kol Amar Salik. Is it true that all wool that goes into the pot, the dyeing pot, absorbs the dye? Meaning what he was really asking was, is does the Torah of the students, meaning when a, a Torah student goes into the study hall, does he absorb the Torah of the sages and therefore protect him against sinning or not? And that's the question. Amar leh, Sir Amir said to him, Kol man dahavanaki agavimei salik. Any wool that is clean from the lamb's mother absorbs the dye. Kol dolo havanaki agavimei, but wool that is not clean from the lamb's mother low salik, then it does not actually really absorb the dye. In other words, what Romero is answering him is that if a student's heart is pure, then he will absolutely absorb the dye. But if not, he will not absorb the dye. And that's what happened with Acher. Rabbi Kiva, okay. And now um, we'll just read this last part of 15b. Um, and this last part of 15b is going back to analyzing the story. Um, that the four different people that went into Pardes, the most esoteric parts or the highest levels of the heavens, most esoteric parts of the Torah. Um, and we said that there was one sage that made it out in peace. Rabbi Akiva, Allah v'shalom, the yard v'shalom. Rabbi Akiva went in in peace and came out in peace. of Omer, and upon him the verse says, Mashcheni acharecha narutza, the verse in... Um, the verse in Shir Hashirim says, in Song of Songs says, Draw me, we will run after you. And even Rabbi Kiva, the angels wanted to shove him away. 
Amar Lema Kashbarhu, but Hashem said to those angels, leave this elder, because he is deserving to make use of my honor. And we'll continue a little bit more about Rabbi Akiva and this story um, next time on 16a. Thank you very much.